Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk to you from the subject, how to re-engage. How to re-engage. That word's really been on my heart recently, re-engage. I think it's a word that's resonating in the spirit, a call to action, a challenge to your future. It's time to re-engage. I want to read a couple verses to you from Matthew. This is Jesus speaking, and he's talking to the Pharisees, and they ask him the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You could boil it all down. What's the number one thing that we need to know? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The question is, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, here's the action you have to take. You need to love. And who do you need to love? You need to love God. And what do you need to love God with? Not just some of your heart, not just some of your feelings, not just some of your emotions, but give your whole heart, all your emotions, all of your inner self, give it to God. Don't reserve some of your heart for your Corvette or some of your heart for the things of life. Some of your heart, God God says, I want all of your heart. And he says, more than that, I want all of your soul, your very essence, that spiritual part of you that is eternal, that part of you that will outlast this earth and your body. Give God all of your essence, all of your spirit, you know, your, your soul, that thing which we know is there, that we can see, we can feel the effects of, and yet we, it's kind of immeasurable. We're not quite sure, does it rest in the mind or the heart or... It's that inner self. God says, I want all of that spiritual aspect of you, your heart and your soul. And more than that, I want your mind as well. Give me your thoughts. Give me your ideas. Give me your analytical thinking. Give me your strategic mind. I want to see you loving me with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And then Jesus continues on and he says, and by the way, love your neighbor as yourselves. So that we don't get too atmospheric in our love, it's got to be practical as well. You want to love God with all you've got, and then you show that love by loving the people around you. By allying, uh, uh, allying with them, by, by coming alongside them, and being Jesus as well as we can to those that need to see him. Today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to engage all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. I believe that one of the things we're going to have to fight as we come out of this old season and into the new season is a spirit or the potential for um, atrophy, specifically spiritual atrophy. See, atrophy is a process that happens to the human body when it falls into disuse, when we do not exercise our body or exercise our muscles, what begins to happen is atrophy begins to set in and we begin to grow weaker and weaker. This can happen to your mind. This can happen to your body. Atrophy is actually, it's the process, it's the breakdown or wasting away of the body due to disuse or lack of exercise. Hear me, church. As we come into this next season, we have to fight spiritual atrophy. We haven't been able to gather together. We haven't been able to worship together. We haven't been able to engage with the word of God. And so because of that, 
maybe through this last season, there have been parts of your spiritual nature that haven't been exercised. They haven't been used to their full potential. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, if, if you've ever gone to pray, and you, 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 know, you, you put on the music, and you begin to pray, and you just think, man, that was, whew, that was a good prayer time. You look at the clock, and it was like four minutes, you know? And you think, man, I, I thought I was praying for at least an hour. I entered the third heaven. We went and saw heavenly things. I only prayed for four minutes. What's going on? You know, sometimes if you're not used to praying, you're unable to really push through and go into that next level. You're unable to push through into the supernatural. But hear me, church, push nonetheless. If you can only pray for four minutes, start there. But then say, next time I'm going five. Next time I'm going ten. Why? Because I want to I want to exercise my prayer muscles. I want to exercise my faith muscles again. There's something powerful about the church community where we're coming together, we're speaking faith to each other, we're listening to the word of God, we're engaging body, mind, and soul. It's been a while since we've been able to do that, but I'm going to challenge you. When you come back, come back strong. Come back with the goal that I'm not going to let the last 10 weeks determine who I am going to be going forward. I'm not going to allow spiritual atrophy to now make me weak to a place where I can no longer engage. No, I'm going to push through, even if it's difficult. I'm going to build my faith back up. I'm going to build my courage back up. I'm going to build my prayer language back up. I'm going to build my worship back up. Come on, I'm going to build my engaging in the word back up. Why? Because I'm not called to spiritual atrophy or apathy. I am called to spiritual progress. What's my point? My point is that what is engaged grows. What is used eventually begins to get developed. But what falls into disuse, what is disengaged, disintegrates. This is a universal law that what is disused falls into disrepair. What is disengaged eventually disintegrates or comes apart. But that's not going to be us with our faith. Come on, we're going to use our faith. We're going to engage our prayer. We're going to come together again, and we are going to grow stronger as a church. And I believe we're going to be stronger after this pandemic than we ever even were before this. Why? Because the trial is going to produce perseverance in our heart and our lives. Hear me, church. We are coming out better. We are going to engage the part of us, spiritual part of us, that we want to grow. You know, this is how the whole body works. When you engage your mind, it becomes sharp. When you engage your body, it becomes strong. So it works with your spirit. When you engage your spirit, it becomes healthy. It becomes holy. It becomes set apart again. And we are not going to be people with unengaged spirits. We're going to grow and continue to grow in this area. See, this is... This is what the enemy's scheme is. He knows how powerful it is when Christians begin to engage their faith. He knows how unstoppable the church is when the church begins to operate in faith. Jesus even says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will be able to move mountains. In other words, you will be able to do massive spiritual things. Jesus is showing how potent faith is. And so what the enemy wants to do 
is to get you not to use that faith. He knows it's your super weapon, so he wants you, he wants you to stay far away from it. What he does is try and keep you disengaged. Here's his scheme, is to persuade Christians to disengage. And how does he do that? How does he get us to fall away? How does he get us to move into different areas of our life that lack the faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I got a couple things I want to show you. This is how the enemy works. He wants to get us to become disinterested. The first thing the enemy will do to get us to disengage is to get us disinterested in the things of God. He'll try and move our focus on good things, but not God things. On, on fun things, but not faith things. If he can get you to drift, if he can get you to move away from faith people, saints that are friends that will stir up the faith within you, if he can begin to get you to move away from church, I know it's very difficult that we've physically not been able to be near church. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can allow not just our physical bodies to be far away from church. If we're not careful, we can allow our minds or our spirits to become disinterested in the place, the people, the things of God. And when we become disinterested, we become apathetic. You say, I used to go to that church, but... I don't know what happened, you know, life began to get in the way, or, I, you know, I went to that church, but, you know, then the whole pandemic thing hit, and, you know, I never got back there. Hear me, don't become disconnected due to what you're going through right now. Don't become disinterested in the things of God. Push through that apathetic spirit that tries to come against you and say, I'm going to do the things that matter to me eternally. What the enemy tries to do to get us to disengage is bring die. Vision. Two visions. Division sounds a lot like this. Well, I don't know, you know, what, what they're doing. I, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if we should be heading in that direction. I'm not quite sure if, if, if this person should be saying that. I, I, I don't know if we should be opening up yet. Or, you know what, we should open up six weeks ago. We shouldn't open up until the next six weeks. The, the problem is when you just say, you know, I, I just don't see it that way. I, I just, I just, I don't know, I just, I see things differently. Be careful that you don't allow a spirit of die vision to come into your life, to come into your speech, to come into the way that you live. See, the power of the church is unity. And the Bible says that unity commands a blessing. Where two or more gathered, the spirit of God comes into their midst. Why? Because the spirit of God is attracted to the unity of believers. So the enemy tries to come in and disunite us. He tries to come in and Divide us. Give us different visions and different walks and different, and different, um, um, different values. All so that he could keep us from coming together and being powerful. Being powerful. I pray that the enemy does not divide the church. You know what? I pray that the media doesn't divide the church. I pray that those with agendas that are not Christ-like do not get to come in and decide where the church is called to go who the church is called to be, or how the church is called to operate. Do not allow a spirit of division to creep in through this disaster. Let unity come into your heart. Let unity come into your mind and say, I'm not sure where we're going, but I'm excited to go there. I'm excited to be with God's people, and we're going to make it through this, and we're going to come out stronger. The enemy tries to get us to disengage by making us disappointed. Disappointed. 
appointed. You know, I don't know what you were expecting in 2020, but you definitely weren't expecting this. You know, we all came in with excitement, with vision, direction, great faith, and yet tragedy has struck. And everything we thought was going to happen didn't happen. Many people were excited to go to college, start businesses. We're excited for a year of growth. We're excited to have children. We're excited to, to grow, to move forward. And it seemed like the whole world stopped spinning. It seemed like everything was put on pause. And the emotional toll of that is very real. And it is very great. But hear me, do not allow anger or frustration or being emotionally let down lead to you becoming disappointed. Do not disappoint yourself. Because see, you were appointed by God. You are Christ's ambassadors. You are his chosen people and his holy people. And make no mistake, you are essential to your family, you are essential to your business, you are essential to the church of Jesus Christ, and more importantly than any of that, you are essential to your creator, your God that loved you, that thought you up, that spoke you into being, that formed your body, that brought you forth and gave you a purpose. He has done all that to appoint you. So do not let the enemy come in, in the midst of turmoil and emotional letdown, and cause you to disappoint yourself. The only one that can disappoint you is the one that has appointed you. And Jesus has appointed you. He's called you and he set you apart. So now, hear me, re-engage. Re-engage. Do not become disinterested. Do not allow division to creep back up. And do not let the disappointment of what has come to last into the future. And maybe you've grown distant from God in this last 10 weeks. Maybe you don't hear his voice like you do. Maybe, honestly, your actions have fallen into that place of apathy that I'm speaking about. But can I, can I challenge you? Even if you have grown distant from God in the last 10 weeks, do not let that determine your next 10 years. God is so gracious he doesn't hold your mistakes and your failings against you. The Bible says when you draw near to him, he will instantly draw near to, to you. There's no social distancing with God. He wants to come close to you. And so even if you've been distant for the last 10 weeks, no, he hasn't been distant. He's been waiting for you to reconnect. And he will not hold this against you. He says, come right now. Just like when the prodigal son turned, left the pigs and the, and the mud and his mistakes and his failings and ran towards the father. The father didn't stand off saying, that's right, boy, you run. That's right, you say you're sorry. That's right, you plead. No, the father said, I'm coming right to you. You're my child, you're my son, and I have missed you. Do not allow the distance of the last 10 weeks to determine the future of your next 10 years. Come back to God, the people of God, the things of God, the mind of God, and re-engage. And God is ready to bring you into the next place. Come on, church. Come on, people of God. Come on, Jesus followers. It's time to re-engage. So where do we start? Well, I think that we should start in the place that Jesus is speaking about, where he says this is the most important aspect of the whole law, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Those are the three areas 
that I believe we need to start in our process, in the practical of re-engaging personally. Let's start with this. Number one, re-engage your heart. Re-engage your heart. How do we do that? Well, let, let's go through something very simple as a heart check. Let's have a heart check. Maybe in the past few weeks, your heart's been all over the place. Let's realign it right now. I'm going to ask some questions, and as I do, if, you, if one of them resonates with you or challenges you, can I ask you, write it down. Let God speak to you about this. Reflect on it. Ponder it. And if there needs to be a change, make the change. Here's some of the questions I want to ask you in this heart check. First being, what do you currently love the most with your heart? Is it God or has it been reordered? Has it been reoriented? Has God slipped down the levels of your priority? And maybe other things have risen to the top. Question is, do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart? If not, it's time to put him first place again. Think about in the book of Revelation, God's speaking to the church of Ephesus and he says, there's only one thing I have against you. You have forsaken your first love. It's like when David says, Lord, will you come again? Will you renew that joy in my heart again? Will you renew the love for you in my heart again? I mean, think about when God's choosing a leader. He, he, he chooses David. And why does he choose him? He says, because I recognize his heart is like my heart. We want to have a heart that's first and foremost after God. Do you love God with all your heart? Is he first? Is your heart soft to spiritual things? Or has it become hardened, angry, frustrated, or bitter? Is your heart soft? Let me ask you this. Is your heart open? Is it open? Is it vulnerable? Is it open to the things of God or the people of God? Are you in a place of vulnerability? Because that's what love is. Love is being the real you. Love is being vulnerable even if hurt is going to come. Despite all that, I'm going to choose not to be closed off. I'm going to choose not to be hard-hearted. I'm going to choose not to let my heart become petty or entitled or bitter, filled with anger or rage. No, I want my heart to be open to the things of God. Not filled with darkness, but filled with light. Not hardened like Pharaoh's heart, but open. Open. Soft to the things of God. Maybe in this past few seasons, your heart has begun to change, and maybe it's changed for the better. Maybe God's made you more compassionate. Maybe God's made you more loving. Maybe God's made your, your heart more fruitful. Maybe your heart has become more passionate about the things of God. Check your heart. If God has been working in it and producing good things, can I say, don't lose that in the transition. Double down on it. Hold those things secure. If something's kind of creeped in your heart that needs to be kicked out, let's right now go through this process and reconnect our heart to the heart of God. It's a simple thing. All you have to do is make this declaration to rededicate your heart to God. Just say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my heart. You know, Jesus said at the end times, the love of many will grow cold. I pray we as Christians stand out starkly in how our heart operates towards people. That we don't grow cold or distant, but that we have passion and love in our hearts. And may they know us by the way we love. Jesus, I give you my heart.
The second thing you need to re-engage is your soul. Your soul. The very essence of you. Your spiritual self. The part of you that's eternal. And you know the interesting thing about your soul is it needs to be fed. It needs the right nutrients. It needs the right ingredients for your soul to grow. To be healthy. To, to be fulfilled. And there's many different things you can feed your soul, but I want to focus on two that I believe are very potent in, in forming a healthy soul. And that's this. It, worship and the Word. Worship and the Word begin to mix together to feed, to strengthen, to bring life into your spiritual self, into your soul. Worship and the Word. That is why church is so essential. Because church is the only place where worship and the word mixed together come into the midst of people in a gathering place and all of a sudden something supernatural begins to break out. Church is essential because it's the only place on earth where the soul is fed. Where the soul is lifted up. Where the soul begins to connect with Jesus, with God, with the heavenlies. The church is the place where the saints begin to sing together. And we join the chorus of heaven singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And as we sing, it's as if heaven becomes unlocked. It's as if the portal, the gates of heaven open up. And his spirit, his presence, it invades our words. And God's presence leaves heaven and comes down to earth. And it enters the room. It enters the hearts and the minds of those who are gathered together. The church is so essential. It's where the word of God, the everlasting, the eternal living word of God is poured out from an imperfect vessel. But it's poured out over people's hearts and minds. The word of God that is living, it's active, it was there before and will be afterwards. The word of God that begins to cut the bone from the marrow, that divides truth from the lie. The word of God that will come in and begin to do surgery on your heart, will begin to remove places that are corrupting your heart and corrupting your soul. The word of God that challenges you, that encourages you, that breathes life into you. He begins to do strategic things where he cuts away old lies and wrong mindsets and, and poor thinking. And instead the word of God begins to breathe life into you. Remember in Genesis where God made Adam, what did he do? He breathed life into him. That's what happens when the word of God leaves heaven and enters into the people of earth. The church is essential. It's one of the only things throughout all of human history that has consistently stood up for those that had no voice. It stood against tyranny. It started revolutions. It's represented the powerless. The church is so essential. It's clothed the naked. It's uh, given food to the hungry. It's visited those who are in prison. It's empowered those that were 
we're powerless. The church is so essential. It's one of the few organizations in all of human history that has created compassionate organizations in different lands for different people, different tribes, different tongues, even those that don't believe like they do. More hospitals, more charities, more nonprofits have come from the church than from any other institution in all of humanity. The church is so essential, not because it's perfect. No, it's wandering and weary. And sometimes it gets off into strange places, but Jesus loves it. And he comes after it. And he brings it back to himself. And he refreshes and corrects the church. The church is essential because Jesus has said, I will build my church. He has not promised to to build a government. He has not promised to build a business. He has not promised to build a bank account. One thing has Jesus promised to do, and that is to build the church of Jesus Christ. And he declares that the gates of hell shall not, will not, stand against the advancing of the church of Jesus Christ. We are not essential because of man edicts and man's decrees. We are essential because the creator of the universe has set us aside and set us apart. A holy nation, a chosen people, God's own pasture. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the nation that he has called. And Jesus says, in the end, I'm going to return. And who am I going to return for? But my church, my bride, which tells me we're not just essential, we're eternal. We will be there at the end of time. I don't know what it's going to look like, but make no mistake, we will be there. And Jesus says, I will gather my own to myself. And we will go to a wedding festival, a celebration. And he will make a new heaven, and he will make a new earth, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. And so we say, Jesus, come And come quickly and gather your church to yourself. You are our hope. You are what we look towards. You are what we need. And your words are what define us. There's something powerful. When worship and the word come together. I understand that church is not just a place. It's a people. But something supernatural happens when all the people gather in one place There's the sound of a rushing wind, that the fire begins to descend heaven and rest on the heads of the people, that anointing begins to rest on our families, and a spirit comes inside of our lives. We become supernaturally empowered. There's something powerful about the church. And so we need worship. I don't know about you, but I feel like I need worship. We need that cleansing flow of God's presence to come over us again. We need to sing those truths over ourselves and over our children again. Worship is like a shower for the soul. You know, when when it's been a long time, you finally have a good shower, your soul, after worship on Sunday, is going to feel like it finally came out of a good shower. It's essential for who you are. And the Word of God encourages and convicts. It challenges and it loves. See, the Word of God is like having a a good mentor. If you have a good mentor in life, maybe it's a father or a mother or someone that is older than you, that has walked the path that you want to walk, a good mentor will not just encourage you, they'll challenge you. They'll give you some tough love. They'll let you know the mistakes you're making, but they'll help you chart a court out of those mistakes and into a profitable place. The word of God is like a good mentor. It challenges 
and encourages simultaneously. Look at what the prophet Jeremiah says about what God will do. He says his promise is to refresh the weary soul and replenish all who are weak. That is what happens when the worship and the word go out together. I don't know about you, but two things that I realized that I need much more than I thought I needed through this whole pandemic, I realized I need God's presence and God's people more than I ever thought I did. I had no idea how much I needed to gather with the saints. I had no idea how much I needed to sing with the people of God. I had no idea how much I needed God's presence just to make it through every single day. I pray when we're able to gather again, we never ever again take it for granted. Not one Sunday. I'm so thankful that we live in a place where we're still going to be able to gather God's presence and God's people. The last thing is to re-engage our minds. The Bible says this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on heavenly things. Lift your mind higher, not lower. Bring it to things not of the temporary, but, of, but to the eternal. Set your mind on heavenly things. You know, I'm so grateful for the men and women of God that have gone before us, that have taught us what it looks like to have heaven-centric minds, to have a worldview that starts in eternity. You know, this past week, we lost a great giant in the faith named Ravi Zacharias. He's an incredible apologist, teacher, and leader. And he stood boldly for the word of God. And he empowered many of our faiths, you know. And I remember the first time I heard him speak as a young man, it began to activate a part of me and a part of my faith that I had never knew was even there. He didn't just activate people emotionally or spiritually or in our soul. He activated the mind. Ravi Zacharias was a man that moved people's minds towards God. You know, the title of his, his television podcast was Let My People Think. I'm so grateful that men like Ravi have gone before and they have stood and asked the very difficult questions about eternity, about truth, about what's to come, about what makes us human. And they have, they have stood in the gap between, between the world and God's people. And they've connected them. I, I remember the first time I heard him, it, it just radically changed my life. And I began to beg my dad, you've got to get Ravi Zacharias to the church. And uh, I remember when I was about 19, Ravi came and he spoke from this stage. And, and he preached in this building. And, and I pray that we carry the torch, the legacy of Ravi Zacharias forward. That we are people with sharp minds, renewed minds. That we use our strategic thinking minds to defend the gospel. That we know what we believe and we know why we believe it. That we are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we think on heavenly things. That we have a heaven-centric world view. That we are able to rightly divide the word of God and move the minds of men and women towards God. So my question is, what do you feed your mind? Because the mind takes on the quality of the content that it's given. Let me say that again. The mind takes on the quality of the content that it's given. What do you feed your mind? And I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, that guy's got a dirty mind. 
Or, or that, that, that person's got a mind for business. Or they've got a mind for money. What are they saying, really? They're saying that what that person feeds their mind has formed their mind to reflect what they've been feeding their mind. If all that goes in is trash, eventually your mind gets filled with trash. If all that gets, gets put in is junk, eventually your mind gets filled with junk. Muddled, not singular. And I pray your mind is not muddled. I pray it's not filled with all this different um, disinformation and strange ideas and, and lack of faith and lots of fear. I pray your mind is singular. That your focus and your vision is singular. That you have a sharp mind. That it loves God, knows who you are, and knows where you're headed. I pray it's not filled with a bunch of junk. You know that they say that the average fast food hamburger is filled with 600 different animals. I mean, the different, same type of animal, but 600 different animals are shoved together in that beef patty. You know that when you put that into your system, all that stuff that's muddled, it's not healthy for you. But if you buy local, what will happen is when you eat that burger patty, it's made from one singular animal. That it's clean and its content is quality. And when you put that into your body, your body begins to reflect that. I pray that you begin to understand that it's the same for your mind. If you begin to put lots of strange ideas and weird theories and faithless talk and lots of news and filled stuff with anxiety and it's always swirling around your mind, you got to understand, of course your mind's going to take that on. It's going to become muddled. It's going to become filled with all that junk. And of course you're filled with fear. Of course then you're filled with anxiety. But if you begin to put quality in your mind, singular vision, the Word of God, conversations with people of God, get around faith-filled friends, you're careful about the music you listen to or the movies you watch, I believe your mind will begin to be formed by that. When your content is quality, so the mind will be, become quality. It will become healthy. It will become sharp. And I believe it will become like Christ. Because isn't that the goal? To get the mind of Christ. Well, in order to get the mind of Christ, what you feed it has to be godly things. This past week, we buried my grandfather and, and my grandmother at the same uh, time. It was actually a very, it was a beautiful, beautiful funeral, and just some of my family was there. We were by the gravesite about to lower the caskets in, into the ground, and my dad was saying the final thing over his father, his final tribute over who his father was. And of all the things that he could highlight about his father, he chose to highlight the fact that he had a mind that loved the word of God. He had a Christ-like mind. The final thing he spoke over his father was the stories that when he would ask him about a scripture in the Bible, my grandfather would be able to say That's, that verse is true and this is where it's found and this is the book and this is the chapter, and, but don't forget the verse before it and don't forget the verse after it. And he would say, and don't forget the context and who he was writing to. Why? Because my grandfather knew the word of God. And therefore, he had a mind of God. What an incredible tribute. Lasting legacy. That at the end of your life, your children would begin to say he had a mind after God. I pray that that's your legacy and that that's my legacy. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. It says this. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Who knows your thoughts except your spirit? 
same way with God. He goes on to say, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Here's the key verse. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit within you will reveal the mind of Christ. I pray that your thinking changes. Your decision-making changes. Your lifestyle begins to change. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to reveal the mind of God to you. I pray your mind becomes healthy, not filled with fear, anxiety, nervousness, unable to make a choice where to go. No, that you got the mind of Jesus, that it's steadfast, sharp, faith-filled, holy, and set apart. You're a leader because Christ is your leader. And so I want to tell you, church, it's time to re-engage. Heart, soul, and mind. It's time to re-engage. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.